0: Well, good morning. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am Bruce Drugsma. I am the Community and Connecting Pastor here at Wise Out of Free Church, and it is my pleasure to be here this morning. It's fun for me because the last time I had a, the opportunity to preach, this room was empty. Uh, so it's fun for me to look out and see people. That's always good. Um, so, uh, I'm really excited. We're gonna be in Exodus 40 this morning, so if you have your Bible or a Bible app or something, uh, we're gonna be in Exodus 40. And, and it's fun for me because I've gotten a chance to see, and I shared this the last time I preached, where God has taken us through this series. If you remember, we started Exodus back in the fall. Uh, Kevin really felt like the Lord was leading us to do that. And we hit the plagues of Egypt right as COVID hit. Um, and then we hit law and justice right in the wake of George Floyd. So God has been moving through this and there's something going on. And now we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping it up and bringing it to a close. and, and, Peter came in last week, did a phenomenal job. Everybody loves to follow somebody who did a phenomenal job. That's always a positive thing. Um, So I I like to I I told him that I'm gonna come in like the closing pitcher and wrap up the series. You know, he was the middle reliever. Kevin set us up well. I'm gonna wrap it up. We're gonna we're gonna move on from here. Uh but we're in Exodus forty. And Exodus has been all about this journey. It's been this journey that Israel has gone through. you know they, the Exodus starts in Exodus 118 um, with this verse or 18 excuse me, That this verse that then a new king meaning a new pharaoh to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. And that kind of set the tone that, that since Joseph in the end of Genesis, since the Israelites were in Egypt, things had changed and they went from being uh, a people protected to a people oppressed. And we see Moses rise up. And we see Moses try and free the people under his own power. We see that not work and he flees. We see God do some work in his life over 40 years. God calls him back. He comes in in the power of God. The the Israelites go through the Passover. The Israelites plunder the Egyptians as they leave. They come out. They're at the mountain of God. They experience God on the mountain. They get the law. And and now we're we're at the end. We're at the end and we're going to see God bring his presence and his glory into the midst of the Israelites in the tabernacle. And so they've experienced this huge journey, and it's all about this journey. And, it, and this passage at Exodus 40 really is the tail end of not only the book, but really a holiness sandwich, I'm calling it. Where in Exodus 1, we talk about uh, Moses hearing God say, I will be with you. And then by the time we get to Exodus 40, we see God with them. And in Exodus 35, when they start setting up the tabernacle, there's this sabbath commandment this idea that you need to be with me and then at the end and i will be with you and so we see this pattern of it of it building and and squashed in between is the practical in the first few chapters uh of exodus like 25 ish the god gives the command on how to build the tabernacle and then starting in 35 they actually do it and it's all about this pattern of i told you to do it honor me do it and i show up And and so we're going to kind of unpack this, but as we look at Exodus 40, we really see four reminders for us on approaching God. And so I want to share those with you this morning, four reminders on how we approach God as we look at this last chapter. And the first one is this, approach in awareness, approach in awareness of where God has brought you. Uh, Exodus 41 and 2, then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting on the first day of the first month. So here we are, first day of the first month, right? Well, when you go back to Exodus 12, God starts their calendar with the Passover. So they have been at the mountain of God just shy of a year. They're coming up on the significant one-year anniversary of the Passover and the redemption of Israel. Because as they leave, he says, this is your first Passover. This is the first day of the first month of the first year and now we're back to the first day of the first month so God has taken them through in the last year so many things one year since they entered the wilderness one year of manna and quail of water of no water of obedience of disobedience of internal and external threats it was not a smooth road so the Israelites approached God on their one year anniversary with an awareness of where they have come And just one one example I want to give you is the jewelry. They're building the tabernacle out of gold and silver. And that gold and silver carries with it a historical weight from two significant events. Number one, when they plunder the Egyptians. That's a positive one. When they leave, they plunder the Egyptians taking articles of gold and silver. As slaves, they didn't have a bunch of gold and silver laying around. So to make this tabernacle, they plunder the Egyptians and they take it with them. But it also carries from... Uh, Exodus 33, a not-so-good memory. When they made a golden calf. And in Exodus 33, God says, For the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now, take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. So as they build the tabernacle, it carries this historical significance to them that they walk into the building, into the tent of meeting, and they see these articles made out of gold, and they can remember both God's providence and their failure. And they're reminded of how God has moved in their their life. And so what about you? What has God taken you through this year? What is it that as you approach God, you need to carry with you? Positive and negative, what has God brought you through and where are the spots that you've had to go to God and say, I screwed up? And I think with all of us, as we look back uh, between uh, COVID and everything else that's happened, God's carried us through a lot of stuff this year. And we need to approach God in this awareness of what he has brought us through. Throughout scripture, time and again, we will see God lead the people through these things and he'll have them set up markers. They'll cross the Jordan River and set up a tower of rocks. Jericho will tumble down and they'll build an altar. When when the Ark of the Covenant comes back to Israel after it's captured, um, Samuel will hold up a rock and name it Ebenezer saying, thus far the Lord has carried with us. Maybe you need to set something up in your life and say, God, you've taken me through a lot this year and so I approach you in remembrance of what you've done. What has God done? Where is your Ebenezer? Approach in awareness. Reminder number two, approach in obedience. Now Exodus 43 through 33 is really all about obedience. Like I said, it's, it's, it's Moses overseeing the final steps of the tabernacle. And I'm not going to read that whole section because that would be really boring. Um, but it's really important and I would encourage you to read it at some point because, because it says that Moses did this and Moses did this. And it really isn't that he literally went and set it up for the first time. It's really about him overseeing it and making sure that it was up to what God had set, up to his standards. Verses three through five. Place the Ark of the Covenant law in it, meaning the Ark of the Covenant. So put the covenant law in it and sealed the Ark with the curtain Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. And I have a graphic here, just so as we're talking about it, it shows the, the tabernacle. Do we not have it? No, we don't have it. Never mind, we don't have a graphic um, that shows the tabernacle, but, but you would have this internal holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant would be and be covered by a curtain and then outside of that you would have the holy place where they would have uh, uh, the, a table with bread on it before the Lord and, and a candle burning olive oil. Uh, then bring the lampstand and set up the lamps, place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark And put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. So you have the innermost part, the Holy of Holies, and the Ark. And the high priest can approach that area once a year on the Day of Atonement. Verses 6-11 through of Exodus. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water on it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil, Moses. And anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and stand and consecrate them. And so you have these concentric circles. Inside is the holy of holies with the ark that the priest can go once a year. One ring out is the holy place where the priests serve on a daily basis. Outside from that, you have the courtyard where the people of Israel can approach. Outside of that, you have the world. And so as you come in, it takes a deeper step to get farther in until you get into the Holy of Holies where you could really go if you were the high priest once a year. And Leviticus, which is, if we were to keep reading after Exodus, Leviticus is all about these laws of worship. And how we approach God and they get into the day of atonement and the priest to do that would have to first make a sacrifice on the day, on the day of atonement for himself and for his family. In case he had accidentally committed any sins that he didn't know about, he had to make that sacrifice. Then he would take a bath and put on clean robes and a clean ephod and a clean everything. And then he would go and he would take two goats. And they would cast lots for him. And one would be sacrificed as a sin offering for the people. And the other would be driven out in the wilderness with their guilt on it to be their scapegoat, which is where that term comes from, to be their scapegoat, to wander in the wilderness holding their guilt. And then he could burn some incense and it would cloud up the Holy of Holies so that he wouldn't accidentally see something he shouldn't see. And then he would walk in and he would pour blood on the top of the Ark of the Covenant to block their sin from God. And they would do all of that, and then if he did everything right, they would be good for one more year. But it was about obedience. It was about this thing of doing these things, but it wasn't just about doing the rituals. It wasn't just about doing the rituals. And, and Israel will make that mistake, just like you and I make that mistake, of thinking it's about the rituals. But Hosea 6.6 6 says this, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It's about obedience, but it's about obedience from the heart, not about just doing the things. When you approach God, it is about having a right heart before God first. So what in your life do you need to give over to God and say, God, I need to show you obedience again, and obedience in the heart. I might be doing the right actions, but God, I'm not doing it for the right reasons. Where is your obedience? Approach God in obedience. Reminder number three, approach in worship. We get to the end of Exodus 40, verse 34, and we read this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And so this cloud descends, and it fills, and it shows God's presence tangibly. The same cloud, the same fire that had been leading them through the wilderness now settles on the tabernacle, showing God's presence in among them. And the new year for them is linked with worship. And the tabernacle is linked with worship. The presence of God is worship. The glory of God, his goodness, should cause us to respond in worship. From here, the story of God in Israel moves into Leviticus and gets into sacrificial law, the actions of worship on how they approach God and what they have to do. This was why the tabernacle existed. It was so that people could come and experience God and encounter God's presence. And throughout their history, history, Israel, just like us, is going to, again, confuse themselves and forget at times that approaching God in worship is not about showing up and checking in to church. It's about experiencing God's presence throughout our whole week, throughout our entire life. In Jeremiah 7, we read this, Jeremiah 7, verses 1 through 8. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. So picture the prophet Jeremiah standing out in front of the temple. By that point, they had gotten rid of the tabernacle and had built a physical um, permanent temple. He's standing inside as people are coming into the temple to worship. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Because the Israelites at that point thought that coming into the temple was a check-in. I walk in, I make my sacrifice, I go out and do whatever I want. And God is telling them, my worship of me is not about checking in. It's not about punching a box. It's about showing up every day in the presence of God. Being a living sacrifice, as Romans 12.1 tells us. Worship should encompass our entire being and our entire week not just one hour on Sunday morning. So when I ask you, how is your worship, that's what I mean. As you approach God in worship, are you approaching God once a week, or are you approaching God with your entire being and your entire life throughout everything you're doing? When you're going to school, when you're going to work, when you're sitting at home, when you're cleaning the bathroom, all of these things can be ways that you approach God in worship, or they can be acts in the same way that coming into this building on a Sunday morning can be worship or it can just be an action. So how is your worship? Where's your heart when you approach God? Is this a check the box activity or are you engaging in the presence of God? And reminder number four is this, approaching confidence. And reminder four, unlike the first three, actually isn't from Exodus 40. I'm gonna go rogue. I'm gonna jump ahead. Because we aren't people under the old covenant anymore. We live in a new covenant. And the new covenant means that some of these old rules and rituals of approaching God don't apply. And now we take Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And Hebrews 7.27 tells us this, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And that was what we celebrated in communion. Jesus is our high priest and we no longer need a high priest who needs to commit uh, a, a sacrifice just in case he made a mistake. He is the perfect sacrifice who covered us once and for all. And we see that clearly in Matthew. uh, Well, we see it in all the Gospels, but we see it especially in Matthew where the curtain of the temple at Jesus' death is torn in two. And Matthew goes so far as to say from top to bottom. Let there be no mistake. We are completely open to God now. The curtain is torn open. But confidence does not take away our need to approach God in awareness of what he has brought us through. Confidence doesn't mean we no longer need to approach in obedience. Confidence does not mean we don't need to approach in worship. Confidence means that we can approach with the bold assurance that God is our Father who desires for us to be in his family. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? that's what it means to approach in confidence confidence knowing that we can approach god boldly when we want we don't have to wait for a priest to mediate between us we don't have to wait for a specific holy day we can approach god when we need it and we can approach god who is good we can approach a god who is good above all the tabernacle pictures god's desire to dwell among his people And when John the Apostle described the incarnation of Jesus Christ, he said that the word made his dwelling among us in John 1. And literally translated says, he tabernacled among us. And it's a direct parallel. They're pointing back to it saying, just like the Spirit of God descended on the tabernacle in Exodus, God tabernacled among us. The olive oil that burned in the lamps of the lampstand probably symbolized the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. We have a high priest who does not need to offer sacrifices to approach God. He is God. And pay attention to this symbolism because we're going to leave Exodus after this week and we're going to step into Acts and we're going to see that the the work of God in a new people, taking them into a new land, continues. And there are intentional parallels. We see Pentecost in Exodus And we see God showing up and giving his word to his people on the mountain in fire and wind. And we'll see Pentecost in Acts where God shows up giving his spirit, his word to people in fire and wind. Pay attention to what God is doing here as we move forward. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and they're going to lead us in a song as we close here. And we can approach God in confidence. He has paid the price for us once and for all. The death of Christ tore the curtain. So I want to ask you one last question, and it's what do you need to bring to God in confidence now? What is it that you've been holding on to and trying to do yourself that you need to turn to God and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm coming to you, the good Father, and handing it to you and and knowing that you will care for me because you are good.